The human brain has 100 billion neurons, each neuron connected to 10,000 other neurons. Sitting on your shoulders is the most complicated thing in the known universe. Michio Kaku Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of Emetophobia Help. I'm Anna Christie, recovered emetophobic, licensed psychotherapist specializing in emetophobia, and your host for this podcast. Today, it wasn't possible for my guest to be here, so I decided to do this little podcast monologue on the brain because I think a lot of people would find it really interesting what is actually happening in your emetophobic brain. So trigger warnings, I will just use the word vomit in a sort of medical sense, and that's it. As the opening quote said, the human brain is the most complicated thing in the known universe. Scientists have mapped a lot of the brain and know a lot about about it and how it works, but there is still much of it that we do not understand and don't know exactly how it works. So I call this uh, little $2 lecture, The Brain Made Easy. Now, if you're a neuroscientist of any kind, please stop listening now so you don't come and blow my house up because I am going to make this so easy for regular folks to understand that you're going to cringe and freak out. So stop listening, off you go, have a coffee at Starbucks or anywhere for that matter. Um, The brain is like a bunch of organs all squished together. It's not like one thing like the kidney that does one thing or your heart that does one thing. It is like a whole bunch of things all squished together into something we call the human brain. Um, So there are many different parts and and they all have labels and a lot of them are pretty complicated. And they actually work together, these different organs, in systems that produce the results of, of uh, working, doing the work of our brains. But for today, I'm just going to divide the brain into three easy parts. The first part is the oldest part from an evolutionary perspective. And we're going to call that the reptilian brain. That's, that is sort of at the back of your head, but in the middle as well. It's at the top of your, your spinal cord. And then there's the midbrain. And then there is the front, which we call the neocortex or the new brain. And that's sort of where your forehead is. It's a part of the brain that other mammals don't actually have, or they don't have it to the extent that we have it. The midbrain um, is responsible for so many things, walking, talking, seeing, hearing, breathing, hearts beating, emotions, music, art, building, woodworking, all of that. The neocortex or the front is responsible for reason, logic, mathematics, organization, what we call executive functions. The key is that changes in the brain are felt in or through the body. 
or they're carried out through the body. So when the brain um, sends a signal, it's sending a signal to some other part of your body, and that part of your body is responding. Let's start with that reptilian brain. It consists of um, a couple of parts, but the main most important part is called the amygdala. And that's spelled in a funny way. I'm going to spell it for you. A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. And it's pronounced amygdala. It's the plural. Um, and it means almonds in, in Latin. Um, if you're from the UK, I think you pronounce it almonds, but the, they're the nuts that grow on trees in California, almonds, because that those little organs are shaped like almonds. So amygdala, almonds, reptilian brain. Okay, this is the oldest part from an evolutionary perspective, when we were either reptiles or coming up out of the sea is something. Um the rep, a reptile, when you think about a reptile's brain, you think about like a snake or a alligator or something, uh, they don't have much to think about. That Pretty much they think, kill something and eat it, and stop something from killing and eating you. And that's pretty much it. Like, other than reproducing, that's really all they all they have to think about. And so the kill something and eat it before it kills you and eats you is a survival mechanism. So even a snake or an alligator knows to run away when a, a predator comes. Um, and so this reptilian brain only has one message. And this is the message. This is important. The message is danger, you're going to die. That's it. Danger, you're going to die. It's like pulling the fire alarm. And it when you hear it ringing like at, you know, really loud um, decibels and it's pretty scary, you know, you got to run, get out of there because there's a danger and you're going to die. And the amygdala can fire this message to your body in one five thousandths of a second. One five thousandths of a second. Or another way to think about that is it will fire that message 5,000 times in one second. When it's activated, it changes your whole body over to what we call a sympathetic nervous system. And, you know, I'm not too sure where that meaning of that came from, but uh, an easy way to remember it is it's sympathetic to your cause of running from the danger or fighting it off. So your body can do th one of three things. Uh, it can flee, which means run, run away, fleeing uh, or avoiding. It can fight or it can freeze so that the predator doesn't see you. There's actually a fourth one called fawn. They wanted everything to start with F, but um, for our purposes, I don't need to talk about fawn. Um, so in one five thousandths of a second, your amygdala fires danger you're going to die and prepares you to run away or to fight. Imagine for a moment you meet a hungry grizzly bear in the woods. I don't know where you're from. Uh, all of you listening, 
I'm from British Columbia in Canada. We have grizzly bears here. They're not like regular bears. They, they're they like uh, at 2,000 pounds, and they will hunt you, and they will kill you, and then they will eat you. So you don't want to come across a grizzly bear in the woods, put it that way. You, If you did, and it starts running towards you, you cannot outrun it. They run faster than we do. But you will. You'll run anyway because you will do it without thinking. Your amygdala will say, danger, you're going to die. And you it will prepare your body to run and you will run. Um, you, you don't stand there and think, oh, what am I supposed to do if a bear uh, in the woods? Should I lay down? No, you won't think anything. You'll just run. And then it will catch you because it runs faster than you. And even though it's 2,000 pounds with claws, you know, the length of like sharp knives, every single one of them, you will fight it until you are dead, even though you can't fight it. I mean, you can't win against a grizzly bear. So that's, that's what you'll do. It will be very automatic. What does your body need in order to run like that? as fast as you've ever run in your life, or to fight? Well, it needs quite a few things, actually. So this sympathetic nervous system causes, see if you recognize these symptoms. It'll increase your heart rate so that your blood will circulate very fast and you will be able to run. You'll have shallow breathing, very short, shallow breathing, because that will pump your heart rate up. Uh, You might get hot flashes, or chills, sweaty palms. You will get adrenaline, um, which is a hormone that's released so that you can, it makes you stronger and faster. Um, At low levels, it feels like butterflies in your stomach. It's not really in your stomach when you feel butterflies. It's your adrenal glands. They're kind of behind your stomach and, and down a little bit. Uh, you might feel some butterflies or you might feel this huge woomph of adrenaline. Some people say, I felt like my stomach dropped and that's adrenaline. You might be shaking or trembling. That's because you have a bunch of adrenaline. You're not running away. Um, you'll get very tight muscles. They will not be relaxed and soft. They'll be hard and um, strong because you need those for fighting. You might get numbness or tingling in your hands or your feet um, because a lot of the oxygen is being used elsewhere, um, probably for you to run. You will get nauseous. Why? Here's why. Because to digest food takes a lot of energy. And, or whatever's in your stomach. Digestion takes a lot of energy. Now you need that energy to run from the bear. So your body automatically stops digesting food. And that feels terrible. You'll, you'll get fairly nauseous. Um, you won't vomit though. Why? Because that would take a lot of energy. And it's your body's not going to waste that energy vomiting. You, you need that for running and punching bears in the nose. Um, you could get diarrhea. You, your, your body could empty your, empty your bowels out. That's why we have that expression. 
scare the crap out of you. It actually can happen um, to some people, but um, not usually. It doesn't happen to metaphobic people, but it's a thing. You you can get loose bowels as well. You can also get this feeling of doom. Um, this catastrophic feeling like that that you're in the middle of like a murder scene or something just awful. It's this, it's horror is what it is. Terror and horror. Um, you might believe you can't breathe. You might be saying, I can't breathe. You you might feel like you're losing control, like you're not, not able to breathe or that you're choking. You might think you're going to, you're going crazy or you're dying. Um, you can get a pounding headache. You can get chest pain because of your heart thumping so hard. You can get very dizzy and lightheaded because the oxygen is needed more in your arms and legs for the running and fighting. Your vision could go blurry because clear vision is not as important because grizzly bears are quite obvious. Um, so you can also get to the get to the point where you feel almost like you're not in reality, like you're detached from reality. Um, I used to say I felt like that I was like living sort of in a milkshake, like swimming around. And um, it, it was this very weird, some people describe it as tunnel vision. Now, if you get all of these at once or any bunch of them um, to a, a very high degree, we call that a panic attack. And it it feels awful. It feels terrible because, you know, a fire alarm's going off, but there is no fire, right? It's only a perceived threat. You're not actually um, under any threat. So you're, you're not you're able to run away from it. You're not able to fight it off. You're just standing there and it feels absolutely terrible. Um, for some reason, feeling sick or seeing or hearing or hearing about someone else being or feeling sick pulls the fire alarm and triggers your amygdala to send out the danger you're going to die signal to your body. We don't know why always, um, causes are many and varied. Now, you know you're not going to die, but knowing that is something contained in your neocortex, right? The front of your brain. But it takes a few seconds to register a thought. Your amygdala by that time has already sent out 15 to 20,000 messages that if you don't do something, you're going to die immediately. Your logic center knows there's no danger, but it's too late. Your body fully believes that there is. The good news is that the front of your brain can talk to the back, but it must do so very slowly and in a careful, structured way so that you don't just re-traumatize yourself. With exposure therapy done properly, we want to activate your amygdala just a bit. Like, so you're feeling no more than maybe five out of 10 scared or, or less. And then you stay in the scary situation, for example, looking at a word or a drawing or a picture until you no longer feel afraid. It's also important that you employ no safety behaviors 
while you're in the situation. Your amygdala then learns that there's no danger because uh, you've done nothing and you're fine. So the next picture that you look at will automatically be less scary than the one before because you've already seen the last one and nothing happened to you. In your brain, for reasons we never really know, a superhighway was built from the, the stimulus, which is nausea or vomiting, to the amygdala response, danger, you're going to die. That superhighway will always be there. There's nothing we can do to remove it. However, with exposure and response prevention therapy, meaning you, you don't respond with a safety behavior, um, which is, this is part of cognitive behavioral therapy, we can build a new highway from the stimulus to a place of calm. The point is not never being scared. The point is that you can, you know, just um, bounce back really quickly from, from getting a scare or a shock that you can just carry on fine. If you get that scare, you don't need to do anything um, to try to, you, anything to the fact that your anxiety has risen. You, you can just carry on. I consider myself completely phobia free. I avoid nothing. I have no safety behaviors and I never think about vomiting outside of my work. But if someone vomits on TV or right next to me, I'll jump about 10 feet high on the inside. But then I just inhale and I say, remember, you're not scared of that anymore. And that's it. I carry on like anyone else. Treatment is available so that you can reach this point too. I hope this has been informative and um, helps you and inspires you a little bit. So thanks for listening, everybody. You guys are great. We're getting about 300 downloads per episode now, and I just think that's wonderful. Um, and I hope it's really being helpful to all of you. There are some costs associated with producing this podcast. So if you can help me out by just buying me a coffee, that would be great. Just look down at the bottom of the notes um, on this episode in your directory. You'll see a link right there that you can buy me a coffee. I also encourage you for more information to go to my website at www.emetophobiahelp.org. It has a ton of information for emetophobics and all the resources you need as a therapist to treat emetophobia with traditional CBT. That's emetophobiahelp.org or just Google emetophobia help and it should come up right around the top. Okay, well, next week, I hope that uh, my guest will be able to be with me again. Until then, stay safe and be kind to one another.